Brett McGarry. This week on The Couch Potatoes, The Man Without Fear returns to Netflix. I'll tell you about season three of Daredevil. Plus, I'm Jeff Braun. I was over the moon with First Man. I'll review that a little later. Jeff's also got another mystery movie to tell us about. Is it another scary movie? It's not even a movie. That's how much of a mystery it is. Oh my god! Yeah! I'm excited to hear what this is. (laughs) First, it's the news. From the couch. This is Berk, son. It was the home of your grandparents and their grandparents before them. But out there, beyond the edge of the world, lies the home of the dragons. And I believe it's your destiny to one day find this hidden world. A new trailer arrived this week for How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, which is the third film in the popular series which debuted in 2010. That first one was a big hit with nearly 500 million worldwide. The sequel in 2014 was also a big hit with 621 million worldwide. And the success of the film series helped launch some television series too. How to Train Your Dragon is about a young lad in a Viking-esque land. His best friend is his dragon, a Night Fury dragon that looks kind of like a stealth bomber. And its name is Toothless. In this clip, they encounter a female counterpart for Toothless. Hey, bud, wait up. Well, I started out all alone. He's not the only one. But it's not all romance and fairy tales for our heroes. Some bad dudes are coming to try to put an end to the dragons. There is an armada with enough cages for all of our dragons. This is a new kind of enemy. We need to find the hidden world. I will destroy everything you love. Toothless, no! Nothing without your dragon. If Grimmel succeeds, there won't be any dragons left. And it's up to us to put an end to it. So, what are you gonna do about it? Suit up, gang. Jay Baruchel is the voice of Hiccup, and the supporting voice cast includes Gerard Butler, Jeff, your boy. Yeah, oh, uh, by the way, his new movie, Hunter Killer, 29% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's out this weekend. <laughs> America Ferreira. Kit Harrington, Kate Blanchett, Kristen Wiig, Craig Ferguson, and the bad guy is F. Murray Abraham. The Hidden World will wrap up the film and television franchise and debuts February 22, 2019. The Hidden World, it really does exist. Now that's a king. You're right, bud. It's time. If I told you about her, the princess without voice, what would I say? The director of Best Picture Oscar winner, The Shape of Water, has announced what his next project will be. Guillermo del Toro will make a stop-motion musical animated Pinocchio movie for Netflix. I can move. I can talk. (laughs) I can walk. Yes, Pinocchio. I've given you life. 
Why? Because tonight, Geppetto wished for a real boy. Am I a real boy? No, Pinocchio. To make Geppetto's wish come true will be entirely up to you. Up to me? Prove yourself brave, truthful, and unselfish, and someday you will be a real boy. A real boy! That, of course, is the old Disney version, the one everybody knows and loves, about a puppet who dreams of becoming a real boy, so his creator Geppetto will be fulfilled. It's not exactly what Del Toro will be shooting for in Netflix's announcement. Del Toro is quoted as saying, In our story, Pinocchio is an innocent soul with an uncaring father who gets lost in a world he cannot comprehend. He embarks on an extraordinary journey that leaves him with a deep understanding of his father and the real world. I've wanted to make this movie for as long as I can remember. So, it's similar, but sounds quite a bit darker, and given everything else Del Toro has done, it'll probably be pretty gross. He'll probably split Jiminy Cricket in two or something. Production's expected to begin shortly. Pinoc! Oh, Pinoc! Now, where do you suppose he... Huh? Pinocchio! Hey! Come back! Can I ask you a question, Father? Do you know anything about La Llorona? The Weeping Woman. It's a folk tale. Too some. That is from a teaser trailer that debuted this week, which I think it actually would make you pee your pants, Jeff. I don't doubt it. It (laughs) It does not sound like it it, sounds scary already. Yeah, it's creepy. It's called The Curse of La Llorona. And she wants your children. It's from producer James Wan, the guy behind the Conjuring franchise. It's about a popular piece of Mexican folklore. Stay in the car, okay? And please don't wake up your sister. Oh my God. Ah! Ah! It's your fault! I tried to stop her! Who did you try to stop? La Llorona. It's set in 1973, about a social worker in Los Angeles who is looking into a case and discovers supernatural forces at play. There isn't much to the trailer in terms of dialogue, but there is a lot of tension and terror. This teaser trailer made me jump a couple of times. It looks scary, and I dig it. The Curse of La Llorona is scheduled to hit theaters April 19th, 
Leonardo DiCaprio has done some of his finest work in the films of Martin Scorsese. In fact, Leo's Marty's boy. For many years, it was Robert De Niro, and when age appropriate, it still is. They have a Jimmy Hoffa thing coming out next year. But for the last 15 years or so, Leo has been Scorsese's go-to, and they're teaming up again. The first time they got together was in 2002's Gangs of New York. Challenge. Challenge accepted. That was followed by The Aviator, where DiCaprio played Howard Hughes. <coughs> the way of the future. 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 <coughs> the way of the future. The way of the future. <coughs> the way of the future. <coughs> the way of the future. That goes on for two full minutes, by the way. Then, the movie that finally won Marty as Oscar, The Departed. I erased you! You erased me, huh? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Shoot a cop, Einstein. Watch what happens. Well, what happened is this bull would go right through your f***ing head! Watch what happens! What, so you can get the parade, huh? The bagpipes and f*** you! That was followed by Shutter Island. Give you a briefing about the institution. All I know is it's a mental hospital. But they're criminally insane. And most recently, they worked together in 2013's The Wolf of Wall Street. My name is Jordan Belfort. The year I turned 26, I made $49 million, which really pissed me off because it was three shy of a million a week. Now they're teaming up on an adaptation of the book Killers of the Flower Moon. According to Variety, the story is set in 1920s Oklahoma revolves around the Osage Nation. They were the richest people per capita in the world after oil was discovered under their land. But then they were murdered one by one. The newly created FBI took up the case and unraveled a chilling conspiracy. Sounds pretty cool. Production is set to begin next year. The way of the future. One year ago, my old life ended and my new life began. The greatest star. I want to be successful. I am by far. But I haven't told my friends or my parents. But no one knows. Except my ex. He knows. And you. We're partners. You're great at what you do. Alone, I am a spittoon. With you, I'm a somebody. That is from the trailer for season two of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. There's a good chance you know nothing about this show, but you've likely heard of it by now because it is an awards powerhouse. Golden Globes, Critics' Choice, Peabody, and many more, including eight Emmy wins, and among those wins, Outstanding Comedy. The show hails from Amazon Prime Video. Marry somebody and everything will be fine. Do you think you can go back to making jello molds? Oh, I don't know. I make a hell of a jello mold. We're going to die in this tunnel. Good. Something to look forward to. We got a girl comic coming up. Don't get too excited, fellas. She keeps her clothes on. I want to be big. The biggest thing out there. A good day. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is set in 1958 New York City. Rachel Brosnahan plays Miriam Midge Maisel. She's got everything. Good husband, two kids, nice apartment in the Upper West Side. But she doesn't really want that life anymore because she discovers she has a talent. She's funny. She's a comedian. Men in general run around telling everyone that only men are funny. Comedy is fueled by disappointment and humiliation. Now, who the hell does that describe more than women? We are back in New York City! That last voice was Alex Borstein, whom you might know as Lois in Family Guy. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel was recently renewed for a third season. Season 2 debuts on December 5th on Amazon Prime. Smell that? Smells like cheap beer and I know. Exciting, right? A trio of new CBS shows have been picked up for full seasons. Let's start with the good one. 
Thomas Sullivan Magna. That's me. Magnum, whatever you're planning, don't. Too late for that. Magnum. Yeah. Bring the car back in one piece. Welcome to the party. Sure you want to go? Thanks, but I'd rather not watch you get eaten by a shark today. Wouldn't be me. They go for the white meat first. <laughs> Time to go. Magnum P.I. New CBS Mondays this fall. Magnum P.I. will stick around at least until next summer. It gets about 9 million viewers a week stateside, enough for CBS to give it a full season. Also getting the full season in order, The Neighborhood, the sitcom starring Schmidt from New Girl and Cedric the Entertainer. Come on over to Monday's awesome new comedy. It says it right here. It's going to be awesome. The Johnsons have moved in. Hit me, Marty! The question is, can they fit in? You trying to get turned? I turned it, we talking. Well, totally turned. All the way turned. Turned over. <laughs> the Neighborhood. That's fine. I haven't watched that one, but I do like the people in that show, which also airs in Canada on Global. Now for the weird one. Another blown prediction by the Couch Potatoes. I said it would be canceled by Christmas, but I was wrong. I thought I had it all figured out, but then I got a friend request from God. <laughs> what? God Friended Me, the dramedy, I believe, about a guy who gets social media messages from God and goes around saving people, lives to see 2019, and gets about 10 million viewers a week. The Orders Leave Happy Together, the Damon Wayans Jr. sitcom, as the only new CBS show not yet to get a full order. That is the news from the couch, and coming up in a moment, we'll tell you what is coming to home video, and an all-time classic gets a special 4K treatment. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. Hello, Hal, do you read me? Do you read me, Hal? Affirmative, Dave. I read you. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. I'm Brett, he's Jeff, we are the Couch Potatoes, and it is time to look at what is coming to home video. Jeff Braun, I think that clip's pretty self-explanatory, but... 2001, A Space Odyssey, the Stanley Kubrick masterpiece, uh, the 4K Ultra HD edition, the 50th anniversary special edition with all sorts of bells and whistles on it, that sort of thing. So if you uh, like the movie and you're a collector, it'd be worth going to buy a Blu-ray on Tuesday. How many times have you seen it? Uh, This one I've only... I've seen a... Ah, half a dozen times. Okay. And I'll often, if I have the option of whatever I'm watching it on, I'll, I'll skip the beginning and the ending, the middle part. The part there with Hal, that's that's the good part. The beginning part with the monkeys takes forever, and the ending part is just, it's too trippy, and it's over my head. I've only seen the film once. Yeah. Did you ever see the follow-up, 2010? I've watched part of it. Or 2010, whatever, however you pronounce yeah, yeah. it. I like uh, Roy Scheider's in it, and I like him a lot. He's a main guy in Jaws, of course, but I, I don't think I've seen that whole movie, and okay. it's very different. Yeah, I need to really check out 2001 again because it is an all-time it's classic. It's long. Two th- how long is it? I don't know, but it just, it's just like it's paced very slowly. Oh, hang on a second. 2001 movie length. Two hours, 41 minutes. That's pretty long. Yep. Uh, also, so that's coming to a 4K Ultra HD 50th Anniversary Blu-ray. Also new on Blu-ray, <coughs> DVD, and uh, as well as on demand, a film called Mandy. That's the one with uh, Nicolas Cage. It's, oh, It's like that, yeah. ho- that horror thing that people go nuts for. I don't know anything about it. Uh, I know the poster is him dripping in blood. 
And I was like, I don't want to see that. So. I remember actually, I think we featured that yeah, in, yeah. in the news from the couch once, and uh, it looks insane. And the reviews, I, I haven't read like in-depth reviews, but I have seen like little notes here and there from other critics that they say it's cool. I'm just pulling up the Rotten Tomato score for Mandy, and it is at... 93%. There you go. So that's, that might be worth checking out. And then Slender Man as well. That is out on Blu-ray, DVD, and on demand. This is a film, a scary movie that came out in August. And it's uh, based on, it's inspired by stories of real life where the, some girls do some bad things uh, in the name of the Slender Man or whatever. They say the Slender Man did it. And uh, then on Digital HD, Mile 22. That's the Marky Mark action movie, right? Yeah. Where he's trying to get from... Some place to the airport where they got a prisoner in tow or something like that. Yeah. Apparently it's just terrible, but... Oh, well... I don't know. It depends on... I think Marky Mark's the kind of actor for a lot of people that if you like Marky Mark, like you just like all his movies no matter what, right? Yeah. he plays the same guy in everything pretty much. 24%. But Marky Mark, he wants this to be a franchise and there is going to be a sequel for this. Oh, really? Mile, Mile 23? Maybe. It would have to be. I hope that that's not how they, they call it. They can't call it Mile 22 2. <laughs> that's true. Hey, up next, we are going to talk about Ryan Gosling's latest film adventure. This one takes him all the way into space. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. Went to the movies this week to see First Man. First man to walk on the moon. It'll be a hell of a ride. It's a job so difficult, we're going to have to start from scratch. We need to fail down here so we don't fail up there. This isn't just another trip, Neil. We have serious problems. Do you think you're coming back? Five, four, three, two. First Man, rated PG-13. First Man has made $31.5 million at the box office so far on a $59 million budget. Not tearing it up, but it'll do all right in the end. It's at 88% on Rotten Tomatoes. been out for two weeks now. It's directed by Damien Chazelle, who also made Whiplash and La La Land, which won him an Oscar, but the movie famously did not win an Oscar. It lost to Moonlight. Uh, the first Man stars Ryan Gosling, Claire Foy, Jason Clark, Kyle Chandler, Corey Stahl, Kieran Hines, Pablo Schreiber, Shea Wiggum, and Lucas Haas. It's a biopic of Neil Armstrong's time with NASA. It tracks all through the 60s and, of course, culminates in his historic trip to the moon because it's hard to top that. But it's not all rah-rah, look at we can do like a lot of space movies are. It's darker than that, for example. A lot of other movies would have heroic music playing when the eagle lands on the moon. First Man instead is playing it as a sort of a scary moment where they're unsure if they'll be able to land safely because, of course, everything they do in this movie has never been done before. The whole movie is sort of bathed in fear, uncertainty, there's loss and grief. It's basically the opposite of what probably pops into your head when you think of Neil Armstrong landing on the moon. That was seen as such a fantastical, amazing feat at the time, and of course, that perspective only grows over the years. No one really considers what the reality of the situation would have been for the astronauts. The movie digs deep into that, and into the mind of the man on the moon. So, I mean, to start with, he's pretty sad. Um, This isn't really a spoiler in the first few minutes we learn that Neil Armstrong and his wife had a daughter who died of cancer when she was five and now that's just going to affect parents forever. Armstrong is even asked about that by NASA when he applies to be an astronaut and he tells them well it would be unreasonable to think that a tragic event like that would not affect someone. 
He was probably a serious guy to begin with, but he's quite a bit more serious after that. And he only really grows more serious. He's not sullen or anything, but he's sort of not in the mood for foolishness. Um, there's also more death in store for him. Space travel, of course, is fraught with risks. And Armstrong knew several astronauts who died on the job. These same deaths talked about were shown in other movies about NASA. The weight of all these deaths sort of piles up on him. You can sense it piling up on him as the movie goes along. And his wife, an excellent Claire Foy, feels the same. She's an ass... Or she there's an astronaut widow across the street from them, and Claire Foy is sort of powerless except to wonder if she'll end up the same. It gets to a point where it feels like Neil Armstrong has to go to the moon, so the people who did die won't have died in vain, that there will have been a point to everything. And all that raises the second point, which is that space travel is scary. Again, most movies try to be cinematic about space flight, but the reality is, with those early Gemini and Apollo rockets, the astronauts are squished in there, the windows are really small, so they don't have a good view, and Chazelle, you know, shows it through their eyes. It's very bumpy and clunky and clanky. It's deafeningly loud. You can't imagine the sound that these rockets make. It's just wild. It feels like they're in a tin can that's being thrown down a hill. Uh, it's never really been depicted that way before, and it, it does feel like it was the most truthful. So taking off especially is terrifying. It's loud. It's ugly loud. Like if your car made those sounds, you wouldn't drive it. Um, and they can't see what's happening, and we, the audience, can't really see what's happening because, again, the windows are small. Everything's shaking. It does smooth out a bit once they start cruising in space. But, again, things can go wrong at any moment. There are a lot of examples of that. Obviously, Armstrong lived to tell the story, so you don't really worry that he'll die. But some of the jams he finds himself in almost made me sick, just thinking, like, oh, my God, how are you going to get out of that? Because the risk being many times that you just float off into space never to be heard from again, which would be a horrible way to die. Um, the scenes on the moon, there's something else. That's where you really get your money's worth for the IMAX screening. I won't get into that that much because it's right near the end. It is surprisingly moving, though. Um, I also don't want to sound like this movie's some big downer. There is quite a bit of humor. It's well-paced. It really hums along. The acting is terrific from top to bottom, but it's a different kind of a space movie. I don't know that it'll have like the replay value that I think Apollo 13 does for me, but I would still say First Man is a great film. I'm going to give it four couch cushions out of five, and it's definitely going to be in the Oscar race. And is it something that is, is it a must see for the big screen? I don't, I didn't think so. And especially, like, it's really shaky a lot of the times. I, I did not watch it on a very big screen. I watched it on a smaller screen from the back, and I still had to look down a couple times. So oh, if wow. you're at all susceptible sort of to, like, motion sickness, just wait until you can see it at home and, but it, it sounds like it's worth going to the theater for the sound yeah the sound this is going to be one of those things where it wins the sound oscars or whatever right because it's sort of a prestigious movie but the sound plays such a huge part in it like that really blew me away because well i mean there's the rockets make noises in other space movies and stuff but not like this where it's just like oh my god is like you think that the ship's just gonna fly apart into a thousand pieces what sounds like it's about to do yeah. Well, hey, that sounds scary. Great description on that, yeah. by the way. I, I, Although I have driven my car making some pretty <laughs> ugly noises. So, <laughs> But again, uh, you're not hurtling through space either. No. Uh, yeah, though I felt like I was about to drift off. It was a 1993 Ford Taurus. Yeah. <laughs> and I hated that car. Oh, we had a car like that too. Really? That made some weird noises. Hey, do you want to do your mystery thing now or do you want to wait? No, let's do it right now. Okay. I here. ordered. I ordered this... On off uh, on Amazon on Blu-ray. I'll tell you why in a second. You know what I was thinking about? If Mary Tyler Moore married and then divorced Stephen Tyler, then married and divorced Michael Moore, then got into a three-way lesbian marriage with Demi Moore and Mandy Moore, would she go by the name Mary Tyler Moore, Tyler Moore, Moore, Moore? Hmm. 
You know what it is, Brett? Hang on, Eric. Is this happy endings? Yes. Oh my God. I Good keep for you. Every second week or so, I I go to my I bring up Netflix on my phone just to search to see if it's on Netflix. Okay. Because I've seen it twice before. And it used to be on Netflix, and then when I went to watch it once, it was gone. Aww. And I was just like, enough of this. I'm just sick of tr- wanting to watch Happy Endings and not being able to. So I just, I went on, it's on sale on Amazon. It's 40 bucks for all three seasons in a big gift pack. So I was like, done. That's coming in. So that's what I'll be watching again soon. And I may have broken records binge-watching this show both times I've seen it, because I think I watched all three seasons like in a week. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty good. It's a good show. If you've never seen Happy Endings, you should check it out. I mean, maybe don't just order it blindly if you've never seen it, but keep checking uh, Netflix if they ever bring it back. Definitely watch it. It goes back to 2011 already. April 13th, know, eh? 2011. Debuted on ABC, and it went three seasons, uh, ultimately ending in May of 2013. Which is too bad. Great ensemble cast, and it was so funny. It was clever. It was, so it was a little too zany, I think, probably for the average audience, which I think is ultimately why it got axed. Yeah, and but the the jokes per minute, I don't think has ever been matched. Maybe Arrested Development. Really? Yeah. Well, because it was just like that. Like as as fast as you can process them, they were making jokes on that show sometimes. Yeah, and it's funny to see how. The actors who have come out of that show, like we've seen the guy who plays Max, what's his name, Adam Pauly. Yep. He's done two or three or maybe yeah. four shows. I don't Same know. Same with uh, Damon Wayans Jr., as we mentioned before. He's on that new show. And whenever I see any of the people, uh, the first thing I think of is happy endings. Oh, and uh, the guy that plays Dave yep. plays Rick on Magnum P.I. now. That's right. And uh, Casey That's, Wilson's yeah. had a couple of failed shows. Yeah. So they've all kind of done, well, I don't know if Alicia Cuthbert's done anything since then, but uh, they've mostly just had failed attempts after happy endings. And I know that there was talk uh, that another network might try to save it when it (laughs) first got canceled, but it never happened. Now, if it had started in 2016 and got canceled in 2017, another network may have saved it. Yeah, I think so. I think that's probably accurate because uh, when you look at a show like Lucifer, which got canceled um, by Fox, and then Netflix picked it yeah. up. That was not a very... I liked it, but it was not a good show. <laughs> and what's the one that just got resurrected by Fox? Last Man Standing, right? The Tim Allen one, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was an ABC show that got canceled, yeah. and then Fox brought it back. Uh, how I mean, was it like? Was there like a year of separation? At least. Yeah, that's I think just, so. That's still weird. So, hey, good for you. I was yep. expecting like a scary movie, and no, turns no, no, out no. to be... <laughs> Happy endings. Was it Mary Tyler Moore, Tyler Moore, Moore, Moore? Mary Tyler Moore. Oh, there was another something else in it. You know what I was thinking about? If Mary Tyler Moore married and then divorced Steven Tyler, then married and divorced Michael Moore, then got into a three-way lesbian marriage with Demi Moore and Mandy Moore, would she go by the name Mary Tyler Moore, Tyler Moore, Moore, Moore? Hmm. Mary Tyler Moore, Tyler Moore, Moore, Moore. That's just insane. How do people come up with that? I don't know. Smart writers. Worth more than we are. Hey, up next, I want to tell you about season three of Daredevil. Debuted on Netflix this past week, and I dug into it. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are The Couch Potatoes. And last week, while watching The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix, I couldn't help but chuckle at how one of the kids in the show wanted to be Daredevil for Halloween. Daredevil is a Marvel superhero, and he has his own show on Netflix. Well... Wouldn't you know? Season 3 of Daredevil debuted 
one week after The Haunting of Hill House, debuted on Netflix last Friday, October 19th. I used to listen to people asking for help. That's what I was trying to do, was help people. But I was fooling myself. Darkness only responds to darkness. I'm Daredevil. Season one of Daredevil debuted in April 2015, about the man without fear. Matt Murdock is a kindly lawyer by day and a masked vigilante by night. Oh, and he's blind. But the accident that blinded him also heightened his other senses, so he can still sort of see, and he beats people up real good. It launched the Netflix corner of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It was dark, violent, not for kids. More series followed. Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist. Eventually, all four of them teamed up for the miniseries The Defenders. By the way, more on Luke Cage and Iron Fist coming up. Something's happening with those shows. Oh, there's also a series for The Punisher. So, season one of Daredevil saw him take on the classic Marvel villain, The Kingpin, played by Vincent D'Onofrio. Jeff Braun, did I say that name correctly? D'Onofrio, you did. Well done. Oh, very, okay. So I usually have a tendency to want to say D'Onofrio. Oh, well, so. now I'm going to start doing that. Thanks, no, don't, Brett. Don't. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Happy to be of service. So D'Onofrio had a smaller part in season two. He was not the main bad guy, but in season three, he's back. Prison has changed me. What is it you're saying? I want to make a deal. In season three of Daredevil, after the events of the Defenders, Matt has more or less renounced his faith and is kind of renouncing his life. He's going down a dark path just as the Kingpin returns, and the Kingpin is eventually going to come for him. Word on the street is he's bringing another bad guy from Marvel, Bullseye. He's claiming to have changed something that I cannot forgive. I'll stop him for good this time. There's only one way to stop me, but you're not going to do it. Are you sure about that? Just be careful that you don't become the monster. I loved season one of Daredevil. Season two is good, but not great. Season three so far is a welcome return to form. And I say so far because I've only watched the first three episodes. They are a little on the slow side, and actually if you go to Rotten Tomatoes, the, the, the summary says that the season starts off tediously slow, but it picks up from there. And it's so good, so good, to have the Kingpin back in a primary role. He is a menacing character, but D'Onofrio somehow makes him more menacing than he is in the comics, partly because he delivers this really gentle, kind of beautiful dialogue. But you know there is a fury lying beneath that calm demeanor. Some of the show's been clunky. Matt's friend Foggy has delivered some clumsy acting. Or maybe it's just bad directing, I don't know. Because I like that guy, but he's been annoying so far in season three. 
Also, kind of a tired storyline. The hero renounces his faith. Will he get it back? What will make him get it back? I don't know that I really care about that. But I am glad overall that Daredevil is back because it's still a solid mix of mature drama with amazing action. Seasons 1 and 2 also both had these really great one-take hallway fights. They also did that in The Defenders. And Season 3 has a 10-minute single-take prison brawl. I haven't made it there yet, so I can't wait to see that. And I'm also glad that they've gone back to something a bit more basic because Season 2 had just too much stuff going on. First introducing the Punisher in the first half of the season, then a clan of bad ninjas later on. It just suffered from the typical superhero sequelitis. Go big and cram too much stuff into the mix. Looks to have learned from its mistakes. I will report back when I'm finished watching. Did you ever watch season two? I did watch season two. That's because I remember the ninjas the, and the Punisher. Was, what are they called? The foot or the hand? The hand. They're the, the hand. The foot, foot is the DC ones. That, that's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Were, okay, yeah, yeah. The Foot Clan. That's right. I, and I think, yeah, I think uh, the and Foot you're Clan right. was inspired by the hand. Or vice versa. No, I think it was the hand that came first. Um, but yeah, it was too much stuff in that season. In season two, but I still like daredevil quite a bit yeah hey as mentioned something going on with luke cage and iron fist two of the four marvel netflix shows netflix canceled them they canceled iron fist a couple of weeks ago Mm -hmm. and then on friday the day that daredevil came out it was announced that luke cage was canceled apparently their social media mentions are the interest in the shows are dropping way down so they dumped the show could also have something to do with the fact that disney is getting ready to launch its streaming service and disney owns marvel maybe netflix just wants to cut its ties did luke cage do two proper seasons or just one two Oh, did you the do? second season uh, was in June, and then Iron Fist season two was in September. And yeah, so those shows have been canceled. There's talk they there might be a team up though. I think the door is open for a team up because they do team up in the comics. And I also just want to quickly say the Haunting of Hill House. I've taken some flack for saying that it's not scary. Yes, it is scary. I never <laughs> said it was not scary. It has plenty of awesome scares. Some of them made me jump and have a panic attack. I was just disappointed in how it became less scary in the final few episodes and there was no big scary climax still a good show though and it continues to linger in my mind so i might just have to watch it again that's all the time we have i'm brad he's jeff we are the couch potatoes november movie preview next week remember to subscribe to the podcast on google play or on itunes and remember if it requires getting up off the couch don't bother